We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Wake up. It's the first of the month, Cleveland. Wake up. It's the first of the month. And you let the New York Knicks walk into your building and drop 130 points on your head top. For those who listen on the podcast, because Spotify app music are haters, I was playing first of the month by Bone Thugs and Harmony, Bone Thugs based in Cleveland, Ohio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to KFS Study Hall. I am Sean for W. I hope you've all had a good evening last night and you've had a great morning and a great afternoon. And for those who may be on the West Coast, hopefully you had it, you still have a great morning. And I am joined as I am every single week, unless his school has a chance to make history, in which case he is excused forever by the radio voice of the New York Knicks for WFUV, Chris Persian. Chris, how are you? I'm doing good. Um, it's pretty funny to get a new job title from you every week because <laughs> you can't pick one of my like three to introduce me by. So I've noticed a bit. It's funny. Can I tell um, you a secret? Uh, so I had been introducing you as a voice of women of Fordham Rams women's basketball. And then I realized like, no, Chris actually calls Knicks games also. And since this is a Knicks space, maybe I should introduce him as that. But now that you've pointed out to me, this is going to become a running bit where I think of a different title for you every single week. Continue. I feel like I feel like beat reporter is like the official, you know, the official shtick um, because I make beat reports, but I just don't do written. I like to, I, you know, we do video at WFUV and I love it because I think that's where media is headed. Um, so, yeah, you know, instead of putting together, I'd love to do a 2000 word article on every game I go to. But uh, I just do like a four minute YouTube video, three minutes of myself, one minute of a player or coach audio. Um, that's relevant. Uh, it's a great time. You know, uh, just, uh, just last game, I had the opportunity to meet some more 
industry legends. So I'm doing great because um, I've had a productive week. I went to a young nudie concert on Thursday. Um, that was really cool. Uh, and I also. Wait, but you know, a young who? Uh, young nudie from Atlanta. <laughs> I, I'll send you. I'll send you a link. Send me. You, send me some. Watch, send me some joints. I'll check it out. You'd. You'd. I, I like. I. I think he gives off the like the name makes it sound like he's just another lil whatever whatever. But um, he's actually really. Cool. Is he better or worse than Baby Tron? Okay, I would go okay. better. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, because I was yeah. Good. Right, continue. Baby Tron's cool though, but I don't listen to him like at all. But he's cool. he's actually not um, bad. He's actually not as and, and this is coming from someone in my for someone who's in his forties because I got told about him and I was like, okay, he's probably gonna be terrible. And I was like, you know what? He's not terrible. So if little if young if little nudie is better than Baby Tron, I feel better about myself. Nudie nudie's beats are like three times as good. Anyway, I'm doing good. Um and and also I got to I got to report on a fantastic NBA game this week. Anytime two Eastern Conference heavyweights, especially historical heavyweights, like the Knicks and Heat matchup, um, you know, those nineties rivalries brought back. Uh, I, I was very excited to have an opportunity to go to that one. Um, you know, I actually thanks to the MTA did not get to ask Eric Spolstra a question pregame. Um, that's all right. <laughs> uh, and, and then, um, you know, I, uh, I heard from, uh, I won't blow up their spot, but I spoke to a national NBA writer, um, who said that quickly is going to run away with this six man of the year thing. So, um, I think if you look at the odds now, he's minus three fifty, minus 400. Uh, that is your six man of the year. Um, I, I'll come out and say it. I think that's locked up. And uh, yeah, so so fun week to be a reporter of the New York Knicks, but also, you know, tiring week uh, to be me. I got three hours of sleep twice this week. So as a non-Red Bull consumer, I have given them some business. Um, no sponsors, don't, whatever. Uh, so yeah. I'm doing all right overall. If I am not my usual cheery self, it's because I'm averaging about five hours over the last three days of sleep. Um, but I am excited to be here and hear from everyone, debate with them, respond to them, talk to them. I, I really think that my words ended up ringing true. And I never guarantee that they will. But I, my words of, of Nick fans, you guys should should take in these weeks before the, the playoffs because they're going to be the best part of the season. Obviously, there, was, there, there were a couple losses, but I feel like if that held up to those expectations. So nice to be here, of course, with you, Sean, uh, and, and these lovely listeners and hopefully lovely callers discussing these Knickerbockers. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I usually we start off with discussing the week that was and it's been a great week. Um, I mean, obviously, last night was last night. Um, Wednesday night took care of the Miami Heat, basically ended any chance of them getting the fifth seed. Um and on Monday night, took care of the Houston Rockets, although that game was 
listen, I'm going to say this. Um, the people who are like always for the tank and think the tanking is a foolproof solution because just get a bunch of young talent and just sticking together and then it automatically turns into like a championship roster. Go take a look at the Houston Rockets because good God almighty, they, if you really like basketball and I'm, and when I say basketball, I mean like you're not like part of bag Twitter or you think, uh, you, you think you you like those players that like to play in front of the like play the game that the play in front of the baddies and you just like basketball like they are awful to watch they are awful to watch and I was annoyed that we were only up five at the half um at half on on uh, the half times on the canvas half times zoom zoom with John there was. The the vibes were not immaculate. The vibes were frustrating. It was like, what is going on? Like, put this team away. Just put them away. And kudos to them. They put them away. Um, twelve point lead by end of the third quarter, and and made and got the lead up to thirty before settling with a nice twenty two point victory. Shout out to me for betting. Uh, uh, Knicks minus nineteen and a half because I was like, they should beat the snot out of this team. Wednesday, um, you know, I have this saying that when it comes to superstars and load management, load management exists in every other road arena except Madison Square Garden. I've seen LeBron uh, sit out against, like, how many times have we seen teams sit out, have a back-to-back involving the Knicks, and they sit out the game, they sit out the other game. LeBron did it this year. Uh, They had a back-to-back in Brooklyn and at the Garden. Jimmy Butler, they had a back-to-back in Toronto, then in New York, and he wasn't playing. And I was like, he is loading up to come and try and put it, to try and put us in the dirt. And you know what? Maybe he really did need did need to miss the that game against Toronto with I think it was listed as next orders because he didn't have it that night. Um, I will always find it insulting when you play UD, when you play Udonis Haslam against me in a game in 2023. I will find it not as insulting is if is if I will not find as insulting when you play Duncan Robinson against my team in a 2023 in a game in 2023. I was very annoyed. And I was even more annoyed that he was open because literally that dude has one job. But we made the plays we had to make and we took the victory home. Um, and then last night, I mean, it, 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 listen, I said it. I had, I had a tweet and I'll put it in Jumbotron. The streets need six or seven games of this in late April because it was amazing shot making. It was it was mano y mano. It was a duel. It was it was I like <laughs> like I don't like I mean we're used to it by now. Like teams that play against us, certain players that play against us, they rev it up and they whether it's because they're in the garden, they want to shine on the big stage, or because it helps their brand when they go against the Knicks. Uh Donovan Mitchell is like, oh, I'm gonna show up to play against this team that they did that didn't trade for me, even though I never officially asked for a trade to be traded to that team. And Jalen Brunson rose to the challenge. Um and Yes, Donovan Mitchell, I think, finished with 41. I'll double-check that. But guess who had 48 of the things yesterday? Jalen Brunson. Um, the title of this space is We Have Enough because 
I believe, you know, I hear, and I, I think it's uh shout out to my man, Brill. Brill says, you know, uh, the identity of this team, is it offense first or defense first? The identity of this team is next man up. And we've seen it all season. Whether Mitch went down, next man up. Um, we've seen, obviously, Julius went down recently, next man up. Jalen Brunson went down, I quickly came, next man up. Um, Mitch, I said, Mitch went down, here comes iHeart. Um, Obi went down, Jericho Sims. Like, next man up. Because we have enough. We have enough. And this team has never made any excuses when... When the when 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 the when the situation becomes more adverse, they show up and they play hard every single night. Yeah, well, there's a couple of times where they've looks like the energy and intensity wasn't there, but I think you know we we say that to them being tired, but for the most part, they're there and they're ready to go every single night. So great win, three and zero this week. We can make it four and zero for win tomorrow. Um, tomorrow on Sunday against the Washington Wizards. Um, but listen, man, the vibes—they're immaculate, they're pristine, they're whatever you want to be. But they're absolutely up. Uh, Chris, I will toss it to you to discuss this week, and then I will go into a little bit of a rant, and then we'll go to the callers. I think you discussed this week adequately. I'm not gonna. I don't, you know, I know that's our shtick, but like, I, I, I'm, I'm going to do a different spiel here. You can do any um, spiel you want, my man. Thanks, bud. So, all we got, all we need. Now, you as a Knicks fan are saying, you know, we have enough. For me, the conversation is, do the Knicks have enough? Do you guys have enough? Um, but I want to refer to all we got, all we need. Two hashtags. Very simple, not popular. Hashtag all we got. Hashtag all we need. There is a basketball team. No fans. Not a great budget. Um, Oldest gym in college basketball. No one goes to it. There's no historical factor to it that people enjoy. It's just cold and bad and sad because it's empty. Last year during the year, this team had a, a, a guard, almost like a, like a mid-major Anthony Edwards. This guy could create off the dribble. He had explosive punch and bounce, and, and he, he was the, the late shot clock guy. Halfway through the year, he withdrew from the school, um, and, and his career ended with them. And then heading into the season, you know, got, some, got a great recruiting class. They kind of felt like you know, they were doing good, and they were – projected to get, to finish like eighth or ninth in their conference out of 15, 16 teams. And they got offended by this. Um, and after that, about a month, two months before the season, their head coach left. And as a result of all of that, they the players voted to promote in-house. They decided, you know, don't go crazy on transfer, whatever. Like, this is this is all we got. This is all we need. And they banded together with the mindset of we can shock the world. We can make something happen if we all buy in, if we all do what we need to do, if we're all the star in our role. And that team went 25 and 8. They were 18 and 2 at home, 6 and 5 on the road. So favorable schedule for them, obviously, uh, with a lot of home games. But that ended up being the best year that that school had had in men's basketball in about 30 years. 
And it goes to show to me the mindset of everyone telling you, you know, oh, you're good, but uh, you have have a good team, but, you know, that fires guys up. Um, At the end of the day, you know, college basketball, you've got to be good to play D1. At the end of the day, there's how many? 450 jerseys, right? Uh, I'm trying to add in the the new two-way slots. Um, (laughs) For 450 jerseys, right, that go out. So... If you're in the NBA, you know, you can go off any night. You can make something happen any night. And I think the New York Knicks it, it have excelled this season in adopting a similar mindset of everyone's telling us, oh, oh we're all right, but we're not going to be in the playoffs because we don't have a real star. Now they're in the playoffs and it's, oh, well, they're good, but they're not going to win because they don't have a real star. Um, now that college team I was talking about did not go on to win their league championship, did not get the auto bid to the tournament. But it was the best year in 30 years for that school. The New York Knicks having their best season in, in 10 years, right? 10 plus. So, yeah, to me, it, it, it's similar in, in the regard of you look at a group of guys um, who all look at their situation and say, this is what I'm asked to do. I'm going to do it as best as I can. And when all of those guys are, are pretty much – all of them except one are, are positive. Def- oh, all of them except two are positive defenders, I'd say. Um, and, yeah, it's just the Knicks. The Knicks have got a good group right now. They don't have the, the star that answers people's butt questions. But Jalen Brunson has heard that his whole life. Oh, he's good, but he's short. He's good, but can he have his own team? He's good, but is he an all-star? I, I think you look at the consistency with which a lot of guys on this Nick team defy expectations. You can look to Jalen Brunson's entire career. You can look to Emmanuel Quickly's entire career. Um, Julius Randle, you know, was a really high draft pick, was out for the season in game one, then was on a team that, that wanted to win now and, and ended up not really fitting there and, and going elsewhere, being good as a third banana and then going elsewhere to be a first banana when he, you know, maybe should not have been one, um, and was really bad, and everyone expected him to be really bad. Came out all NBA, came out again, had a really rough year mentally, um, showed it on the court, and had expectations again to be bad this season. Um, you know, but it was it was not uncommon for. Nick fans, this is not supposed to be any slight at Nick fans. It was not okay. This is just, you know, I like to stay really involved with the fan base and get a thermometer, a barometer for how people are feeling. It was not uncommon for Nick fans this offseason to rank Mitchell Robinson as a better player than Julius Randle or RJ Barrett as a better player than Julius Randle. And it was because of Randle's play that past season. And it wasn't unfair. So for Randle to come out and be the team's arguably best player. Uh, again, is you know impressive to me. Um, you just have guys on this on this Nick roster that that have defied a lot of expectations. You want to look to their coach, you know. Even Tom Thibodeau has defied expectations this season, um, with the extent to which he's listened to the front office, accepted their rotation changes that they have kind of strongly suggested to him. Um, there's been no issue with that, that that we can tell externally. So obviously, you know, being handled decently internally at the worst. Um, 
and, and Thibodeau now, you know, uh, I, I know in the, the reporters' room after the game, like the, the biggest talk, the biggest thing of conversation was everyone trying to figure out did Thibodeau make a single substitution in the fourth quarter? And uh, I pulled up, I knew to pull up the ESPN box score play by play because that shows all the substitutions. And there was not a single one. Thibodeau let quickly and Grimes close over Brunson. You can say, um, you can say that Brunson needed to rest the hand. You can say that in a late game, in a, in a late season game with playoff implications, Tom Thibodeau enabled Emmanuel quickly and Quentin Grimes on the court to show their development off the court. And, and that to me has always been my biggest issue with Thibodeau. Now, I'll close with this. I've always said with Tom Thibodeau, he is good at developing talent. He is not good at enabling that talent to show itself on the court. So people say, oh, you know, Thibodeau brought quickly along at the perfect rate. I would disagree because, you know, I argued heavily that quickly was ready to start at the beginning of last season. Um, So when he looked good at the end of the season, it was no surprise. Uh, There was no asterisk. You know, I spoke to Mark Berman over the summer who said Thibodeau did not put an asterisk on the late season performances of Toppin and Quickly. Those are guys that clearly showed their impact on the team. Toppin came out this season. They talked about it on the broadcast last night. I've talked about it in study hall months before um, that what Thibodeau is really looking for from Toppin is rebounding. Um, and, and, you know, Derek Rose has been working on him with that since you know, his rookie season. So, uh, for Nick fans, just got to hope Toppin continues to improve in that regard with, with the additional reps here um, and, and that things come together because uh, I think, you know, you guys have a, a good shot of having a, a fun playoffs here. Now, um, the Mavericks and the Hawks are two teams that have made it to the conference finals uh, when they arguably, you know, should not have. Um, but, the, the, you know, the bracket worked out favorably for them. They, they won their matchups, you know, fair and square and, and – uh, made it work and, and obviously they didn't go to the finals the year after as a result but it you know good step in, in building a team is, is winning important games getting young players reps in important games I think to be honest I think getting Julius Randle reps in this role of his in important games is also important you can still develop players even though he's 27 28 you know that's something he's never had playoff reps where he's succeeded aside for the second half of game two against Atlanta. So I think that'll be good for him too, you know, uh, Brunson getting them on his own team as opposed to, you know, uh, just because Luke is out. I think it'll all be, you know, good experience for these guys. Well said. And, and Chris, I watching the eventual six man of the year or the six man of the year elect, Watching him this season just makes last season with Alec Burks just make me want to like bang my head against the wall. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award regardless of the severity of your injury and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 
or visit weissandrosenblum.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. I was going to go on a rant or not a rant or a diatribe, dialogue, whatever. It's about the show title. We have enough, but I would like to actually go to my man, JB Fortis, who is a Celtics fan, but we welcome fans of all teams here at, at study hall. <laughs> um, and, and I think it was, and I do that because it's good to get perspective of the outside. Like if I say all the time, if everyone in the room is thinking the same thing, no one is thinking. So, um, I'd like to know because I posted a tweet on Jumbotron. Um, it says we have enough to what? I'm reading for the people who are listening on the podcast, so we may be listening later. We have enough to what? Show off a W. We, all we got, all we need to what? Chris Percyinen. After the dumb intros and the history lesson, I'm going to get after those questions. Fired up. This isn't college basketball. This is KFS. So I'd love to hear your take on, I'd love to hear what's gotten you fired up because I think this is going to be a good conversation. So the floor is yours. And anyone else who wants to come up and speak, please raise your hand, come up to the stage, you're more than welcome. 
Thanks, man. Thanks. I, I appreciate the opportunity to speak to you. Um, we often get after it on Hoop Spaces, which is daily on AMP at 10 a.m. Um, and you can always hear me on the overall sports show on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And I, I goof around all over the internet. Um, but I am fired up. I'm fired up for this next season. I'm fired up for um, these questions because I'm interested in what the end goal of all of this is. And Chris kind of did this nice little like caveat thing very smoothly where he was like, we have enough to have a fun season, a fun playoff runs. And if that's all we're really going for, then great. Then I have, I have nothing and you might as well just take all the arrows out of my bag. However, if what we're looking to do is actually cause history, if what we're looking to do is win a championship and bring a championship to the streets of New York and a championship parade, then I'm very interested in exploring that. I have you guys eight and six against the top four seeds in the Eastern Conference. That would be Cavaliers, 76ers, Celtics, and Bucks, right? The four seeds who are above you. I have you as the third best team in my eyes to win a championship. You're right that I'm a Celtics fan. Um, and I think the Celtics are the number one team. However, I probably shouldn't think that if you face the Knicks, should I? If they face the Knicks, should I? Because the Knicks have swept, have, have gone three and one this year against the Celtics, and the one win wasn't the same as the team that you have now. One of those wins, with Emmanuel quickly just going off um, on fire, showed that the, Cel- that the Celtics match up horribly with the kind of guard that Emmanuel quickly is, right? So if you guys end up facing the Celtics, then by all means, right, maybe you do have enough. But do you have enough, especially post-Josh Hart trade, to handle the Bucks? Because that's what I see your bracket coming down as. I don't really care who you put at the number eight seed. I don't care whether it's the Hawks or the Heat or, or whoever wins the playoff, the Bulls. It doesn't make any difference to me. I believe the Bucks are going to get to the second round of the playoffs. And if you really want to argue with me on that, we can. But what I'm much more interested in is how you're going to handle the Milwaukee Bucks problem. I don't think you're going to get swept, but I also don't know what the out is. Now, the good news is, is that, yes, you are 0-3 against the Milwaukee Bucks, but it's all before the Josh Hart trade. And there's no question that in terms of a next man up or in terms of a, everybody working together to pull the rope towards the Knicks' favor, I'm all the way with you, man. I'm all the way. Do I think you're going to beat the Cavaliers? Absolutely, right? However, I see the Bucks' um, weakness, which is Brooke Lopez being um, played off the floor, as something that the Knicks really struggle to do. I don't think Mitchell Robinson can do that. I don't know that you have the outside three-point shooting to make Brooke Lopez and the Giannis down in the post thing completely irrelevant. As a matter of fact, I think those two are going to clog the lanes. Um, And I think it's going to be very difficult for you. So I want to investigate it. I'm fired up to investigate we have enough to what, right? We all, All we have is all we need to what. If the answer really is just to have a fun playoff run, to show that we belong here, to show that we, you know, are building towards the right direction. If, if you really want to take that out, then by all means, man, just defang me right now. However, if the answer is to challenge in the Eastern Conference, if the answer is to establish yourself as the dynasty that you guys have all been pushing for for the last, what, 10 years, 15 years, like if that's the answer, now we can have a conversation. Like, can Julius Randle elevate to the point where we start talking about him in the same breath as, I mean, maybe not in the same breath as Giannis Antetokounmpo, but in the same breath as Jason Tatum? 
Can Jalen Brunson elevate to the point where we're now talking about him as a Chris Paul-level playoff performer? Can we put down the James Harden and the Tyrese Maxis of the world um, and now establish New York as a new contender in the Eastern Conference? Talk to me about that. Fire me up about that. Do you have enough for that? That's what I want to investigate. Um, all right. So I, I would say for, for I, guess, I guess to start with the Knicks and the Bucks. Uh, no, I guess I guess to start with, with you know the Knicks in general, I'll, I'll say that you know you can take a look at the Eastern Conference standings. Um, I'll pull them up right now so that I'm not making up seeds off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, so Milwaukee traded a bunch of picks for Holiday. Philadelphia traded you know picks for uh, Melt, just a pick for Melton. They and uh, then then for Harden. Um, did, Cleveland did you picks mean Crawford? I'm sorry, did you mean Crawford or do you mean Drew Holiday? Which, which one? I'm sorry. Did you uh, for Milwaukee, Milwaukee traded a bunch of firsts for Drew. Okay, got Like it. future oh, picks. Philly traded a bunch of future firsts for James Harden and then one for Melton. Milwaukee did the five seconds for Crowder. So I'm not, you know, seconds don't have a step in rule, so I'm just not. No, I just misunderstood. I'm sorry. Oh, no, you're good. Um, the Nets, you know, <laughs> they uh, at one point had traded a bunch of firsts for Harden um, and then pivoted strongly from there, as we know. Um, the Heat, you know, are in a conversation to make a trade. The Hawks traded a bunch of future firsts for DeJounte Murray. They're out. Chicago, out. They traded all their firsts for Vucevic and Rosen. Washington, um they have picks, but it's looking like they want to keep Kuzma and Porzingis. So, so they're, they're going to have about five hundred million invested into Beal, Kuzma, and Porzingis. Um, and then, you know, after that, you're you're down to twelve and below in the standings. So, when you look at the 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 teams in the Eastern Conference that that are either pulling weight or close to pulling weight, so I'm being you know very nice to Washington and and you know et cetera here. Um, but these teams have all invested legitimate or maximum possible future draft capital in regards to first round picks uh, to get their teams to the points that they're in now. So, you know, the stepping in rule, not going to bother you and explain it, but that's something that I've been talking about on this show a lot this season um, personally, because I think it's a really big focus and, and priority to the Knicks of keeping those doors open. Because you know that once you knock one domino down with the Stepien rule, it gets ugly fast, right? So um, you get limited with making in-season trades, like Dallas has been. You get, li- you know, they were last season uh, you, because of the Porzingis trade. You know, years later, these things have have lingering effects, right? And and essentially, where the Knicks are now at forty-five and thirty-three, at the fifth seed in the east which uh, you know i'm not talking about the west because they would be the fourth seed in the west and two games back of the three seed it's the inferior conference this season we're just doing eastern um for, for that reason uh, i feel like it's a good enough sample size here to talk about uh the new york knicks are, are better than you know most teams in the east that have invested significant draft capital into their teams you look at milwaukee cleveland philadelphia boston you know, they are 10, 9, 6, 3 wins behind those teams. So, and uh, as as you said, you know, they didn't have heart when they played the Bucks. 
um, when they played the uh, actually I'll, I'll get to that after after this spiel but um, yeah so I, I think the fact that the Knicks have all of their future draft capital and, and I don't mean that to say uh, oh 95% so rounded up I, I mean to say they have like 120% like they have more than enough second round picks and then they traded their first round pick this season for Josh Hart because they still had Dallas's they made a bet that they with Josh Hart would be better than Luca with Kyrie, and they were right by about 10 games in the standings. So they've got the better pick of those two. They traded the one pick for Hart because if they were going to sign him in the summer and trade that pick, might as well just use the pick to get him now and then re-sign him over the summer, get that half season of value out of someone that you were going to pick up over the offseason anyway. Um, you know, common practice, you know that. So as, as a result, you know, the Knicks are good now. They're ve- they're very good now, actually. Um Second in the league in contested rebounds per game. Fourth in the league in rebounds per game. That's their that's their style. They're a ground and pound style of team, um, and they've got someone like Brunson who can give a team like Cleveland forty eight points. Uh, as a result, I think they're in a really great spot going forward. And and when you're in such a great spot going forward, and you haven't traded any future draft picks, I, I say this all to explain that their timeline really technically hasn't started yet, right? They're playing with house money, free agent acquisitions. Um, and, and so, yeah, they traded the 11th pick for cap space, right? But they turned that cap space into Isaiah Hartenstein and Jalen Brunson and three protected first-round picks also were in that deal that people conveniently forget about. So, you know, they have more than their own first-round picks. They have a surplus of first-round picks, and they've not even come close to messing with the Stepien rule. They are in a great spot, if not arguably the best spot in the league going forward. And so that's why whether they lose in the first round to a Cleveland team that has already started its timeline, they only have until 2025 to impress Donovan Mitchell to stay. If they lose to a team in the second round like Milwaukee with the best player in the league who has invested four or five first-round picks worth of capital into a star like Drew Holiday, who's killed it on both ends this season, that's more than okay. Um. And then to your point about Milwaukee, uh, the Knicks plan has been pretty clear this season against Milwaukee, and I think their game that was in early January illustrates that best. Uh, the Knicks lost by, I think, six points, but if it's four or five, you know, don't kill me. Uh, I was there in person, and when, you know, I've been, I would have remembered really nicely then, but uh, it's a little too far removed. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but the Knicks only lost by a couple points, right? And, and their strategy was simple. Double Giannis in the paint. Don't let him be the guy that gets you. Go down by anyone else. And that's what they did. They went down by anyone else. Joe Ingles was 5 of 11 from 3 that day because the Knicks consistently overhelped in the uh, from the weak side corner or from the top of the key, leaving Ingles wide open in the corner or on the wing at the top of the key. Ingles made half his threes that day. He was a stellar-looking shooter. Um and they got almost a double-double from Drew Holiday. I remember him having like eight assists, something like that. So, yeah, the, the point, though, is that they held Giannis, held in quotes, you know, because Andre Iguodala got a finals MVP for holding LeBron to a superstar stat line. But um, they held uh, Giannis to something like 20-10-5. And, and if Giannis is doing 20-10-5 and, and you're losing by a couple points without Josh Hart, um, that's probably the game plan that they're going to go with again if they meet Milwaukee in the playoffs. Is going to be to crowd the paint, like you were saying the Bucks would do. Um, is going to be to let the Bucks shooters 
beat them uh, with, you know, the lowest probability three point shots from for the for those players. So whether that's the corner, whether that's top of the key, they'll just let them shoot from there. That's the the Thibodeau classic is to surrender the top of the key threes if it or the corner for certain players if it means protecting the paint. May I um engage with you a little bit or do you just want me to go into the listener section? No, we're here for conversation, man. Okay. So the problem with at least the analysis that I just gleaned is that it, again, it sort of sets me up for we're we, and I say we as a Knicks fan, even though as Sean pointed out this year, I'm a Celtics fan. Um, it sort of sets us up for the future. In other words, we're building towards something as opposed to building in something. Right. And if I believe the Knicks to be say the third best team in the NBA, and I believe them to have a weakness when it comes to keeping Giannis out of the paint or keep or pushing Brooke Lopez off of the floor. Um, I have a little bit of trouble saying, "Well, how is Josh Hart going to do either of those things?" Which is no, not intended to be a diss towards Josh Hart, no matter how it may sound. Like I believe Josh Hart to be a strong wing, a wing who can get into players' heads, um, a wing who can switch probably one through four with maybe the exception of like a Giannis type four. But again, like how many players can actually play, you know, one-on-one straight up defense on Giannis? The answer is probably nil. But the bigger problem that I have is that I don't think I can keep Brooke Lopez out of the paint if I'm a New York Knicks squad, right? And I I get it that Emmanuel quickly is like, in your guys' opinion, the sixth man of the year. I'm less convinced of that. I do think Jalen Brunson is the most improved player of the year, but that's another argument in in and of itself i'm i'm half finished so i'm gonna i'm gonna biasedly stick out for laurie market in there um but uh in regards to six man of the year it's not uh not just nick fans or reporters that view quickly as the six man of the year i've talked to several national guys over, over the last week who think that race is locked up and done um, and if you look to Vegas, he's minus three, minus four hundred. The betting markets reflect that he's run away with that as well. So, I, well, if he's run away with it, he's run away with it. I mean, I'll I'll listen to straw polls and I'll I'll hear back from it. Um, I in my own personal vote, I would probably put him as number two as six man of the year. But whatever, it doesn't even matter. My no, that's, that's completely fair. It's all right. Yeah, it, it it doesn't even matter. I guess my point is is that when I start dreaming of how am I going to change the Knicks present, how am I going to change the Knicks? Like, how am I going to get to a championship? For me, it's very hard to see the Knicks playing Brooke Lopez completely off the floor with their lineups. And do you think that Tom Thibodeau, using the Knicks film school um, study hall that we're doing, do you think Tom Thibodeau has the adjustments in his bag, the adjustments available to him to get one of the big four, by which I mean Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, Giannis, and Brooke Lopez, off the floor at least less effective um, as they may be? you know, less effective than, than they may be. Because I don't. All right, yeah. So, so I would say that, you know, Lopez's shooting has made him someone that Robinson has struggled with for years. I think you're spot on to highlight that. Um, but I will also say that Robinson is now at this point, he really has seemed to find the optimal blend between size um and and strength and all of that. I, I think he started out and you know, as many prospects do, too wiry, skinny, lanky, however you want to put it. 
Um, he couldn't bang down low, but he could, you know, grab lobs from 10 feet out of the basket. Like it, it was that really high speed athleticism. Um, he then gained so much weight, tried to gain so much muscle to hang down low that he ended up getting in like a James Wiseman athleticism state where it was like he had the straight line speed kind of, but he was, you know, not as athletic as Wiseman where he was like lumbering to do so. And then he struggled moving laterally because of the added weight. I, I think this season, um, I know he worked out with Julius Randle over the summer uh, in, in Dallas. Um, I know he worked out with Knicks coaches again over the summer as he usually does. So, you know, he came in in, in, in decent shape, but has gotten himself in good shape. Um, and I think he's at a point now where, you know, that won't be as much of a glaring weakness, but the playoffs is all about exploiting small weaknesses. So that'll still be something to definitely watch out for. Um, will be Lopez. I just think that for New York, you know, when they, they tr- just try to, you know, double Giannis in the paint, make sure he's not the guy to take him down. Um, make sure that, you know, they have Grimes guarding Holiday, not Brunson, right? Um, just doing the little things they've done all year to to hide guys, you know, as any team does. Like, if you had a point guard like Brunson, you know, you use Grimes to guard the point of attack instead, right? Or, you know, and uh, I, I think Barrett, is, is probably the biggest one to to watch out for. Um, you know, Kyle Kuzma is someone that has has given R.J. Barrett 27 and 40 points this season, like right on his head uh, in a one-on-one matchup. So, you know, Chris Middleton, much better to me than Kuzma. Um, definitely someone who could take advantage of that matchup. I just, you know, will Middleton be healthy? I know he left the, the Celtics game to get a hit with the, an elbow from Jalen Brown. So, um, you know, he'll probably be fine but uh, uh i think you know worth whatever questioning um yeah holiday did a lot of playmaking against new york this season but um you know he, he's obviously as he showed recently with the 50 uh, good for a scoring explosion now and then but um you know grimes quickly different great defenders will be rotating on him so i, I think that the knicks will lose that series because Giannis ends up beating them regardless down low, uh, regardless of the double teams, and and that the Bucks have the shooting on the roster to, especially with the Jay Crowder pickup, to you know take advantage of those shooters being left open. So I th- I think the Bucks would beat the Knicks in like five, um, but I also think the Knicks are the kind of team where if they lose in six, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Um, it's not, you know, like a like a Chicago Bulls situation where it's four zero or four one or guaranteed to be four one, but it was four zero, you know, something like that. Um, I, I do see it being competitive. Just Bucks would definitely win, in my opinion. They've got um, the best player in the NBA. They've got one of the best two way uh, guards. Or, sorry, not one of the best two way players. The best two way guard. Um, yeah, it's just. They're they're better and and it's because not only do they have a superstar, but they invested eight years worth of future draft capital into acquiring Holiday in regards to the unprotected picks, the swaps, everything. Like, yeah, they're absolutely better. They should be, um, they should beat the Knicks in a series, um, and that's I think why the Knicks are comfortable losing in the playoffs this year because they know they have yet to really even 
this is just the car they built in their garage. <laughs> you know, they, they have, they, they're winning the small races going out, trying to get money to, to juice up the engine and all that. But th this is really just the car they've been building in their garage with their own, their own tools. What do you say to that, Sean? Um, I mean, I got a lot, but you know, I, I do want to get the rest of these calls, but I'll say really quickly. Um, and I'll say this. I watch these, I watch your Boston Celtics and I found a hilarious. So you're like, I'm, they're my team this year, but, um, I watched the Celtics, um, get the, um, the, I watched the Celtics slap the box into next week on Thursday. And I literally turned the game on and the, I know, listen, we're all, you know, Richie Miller, whatever you think of as a commentator, whatever he said, you know, tonight, cause I didn't, I missed the game. I turned on like late in the third. And he said, tonight we, the Celtics walled off the paint and did not let made it their mission to not let Giannis get to the bit, get to the bucket and then dare them to dare them to take jumpers and dare them to beat them with outside shots. And I said, Hmm, that's a defensive strategy that sounds very, very, very familiar to me. So as I've said before, if we play the Bucs in the first round, I don't think we'll beat them, but it will not surprise me that with three minutes left in game seven of five-star form, the Knicks are down two, and people are like, what is happening? I do have more thoughts, but I do want to get to the callers who have been um, patiently waiting. Um, so let's go to Dom Cappuccini, longtime KFS supporter. Um, Dom, the floor is your. The floor is yours. Dom, are you there? Hey, hey, guys. Sorry about that. I had, a, <laughs> I had those stupid passwords on my phone. There, so I have to go off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it happens. Um, but yeah. Hey, it's great to hear from you guys. Sorry I missed the last week. Um, I don't really have anything extra to point out. I mean, last night was just amazing. I, I obviously all day I was I was excited about the hope of a big win, but not not counting on it and being kind of okay with a close loss. But the way they the way they blew out the doors was like you know deja vu from the night before. From the I'm sorry from the game before. It's just so it was such an exhilarating thing between these last two games, and there's been a lot of amazing games, but. I think it's more of the the shock, the way they've been blowing off the doors against some really competitive teams, and especially last night on the road. And and Cleveland is a is a hostile environment, and just shutting it down. I mean, Mitchell got off his shots, and he had some really crazy buckets. You know, some three pointers. I think there was one he was spinning in the air. And he pulled up, and Grimes was. Was well, he was on him, but he was trying to like make sure he didn't uh, foul him, and he still sinks it. And those are the type of shots in the past we've seen that kind of takes the air out of your out of our team, especially when we're on the road. And then Josh Hart comes in, and he two two defensive possessions in a row. I believe it was in the third quarter, where I think one he got a charge, and the other he forced a turnover, but he just stood his ground, almost like making a statement, like, "Well, no, this is." This is not how it's going to be. And so this team itself is just its such a joy to watch. It's very disappointing that I have friends out there that don't choose to follow them and are still stuck on Blame Dolan. And, you know, I can't share it, but that's why I appreciate this community that I can share with. And, you know, the, the thing that – I think the thing that gives me so much joy 
is it's coming from the young core. And when back in August, when the Mitchell news came in and he, we weren't going to get Mitchell and I was upset, like some other people were. And the thing that I t- he chose to cope with was like, you know what? IQ, OB, RJ, they all finished last year strong. I believe in Grimes. I believe in a healthy Mitch. I- I'm interested to see what I heart. All the young guys that they have in this core. You know, I, I just want to say, the only, th- the only reason why that I, I didn't have, I, I kept my expectations in check overall is because Julius Randle is such a wild card going into the season. But outside, and that's why I only had him at 42 wins. But I said, if the Knicks can get these young core, like really, like really balling out this season, that'll be, that'll be a thing that will take that sting away from not getting that superstar. Because all that's going to do in the future is going to put us right back in an even better position than we were all last summer. So I'm, you know, and that's, and I guess fast forward to now, that's why watching games, like, especially watching a lot of these young guys being a core part of um, crunch time minutes and really succeed and, and really like play above themselves has made it even more of a joy than I can even remember feeling two years ago. And that was obviously, it was a stunned joy back then, but it's just different because it feels more, I don't know, just more um, um, sustainable. Sustainable, yeah. Thank you. You took the word out of my mouth, but yeah, that's uh, that's what I got for you guys. It's just, it's just, it's just unbelievable. I still can't believe it. It makes me feel like why can I not finish the win? Finish the year out with forty nine wins. Why not? <laughs> so uh, no, thank you, Dom. And I'm I'm actually glad you brought up the whole Donovan Mitchell summer th- uh, summer. Um, Fiasco or whatever you I know want, saga. don't want to hear about it anymore. And I know no. we were kind of we're in that boat no, on, the, on the outskirts, but I mean, you know. No, I mean, it's not that. So it's, it's interesting because it actually ties into the title of the space um, sure. and to what I was going to say and, you know, and to what and then JB, who, who's gone now. But thanks for JB for pulling up. We wanted to know, like, what, you know, what did I mean by we have enough? Because um, so we have enough is a thing that I that I took from um, that is um, Dom. Can you go on mute? We'll get get get, get some feedback. Oh, sorry about that. No problem. Thank you, buddy. Um, we have enough is a saying that Eric Spolster always uses. Like we have enough. Like doesn't matter how who's no managing, who's hurt, who's this. Like he says, we have enough to win tonight. Um, and when obviously Julius rolls his ankle against Houston and, you know, the, you know, some people, the sky's falling, what are we going to do? It's over, yada, yada, yada. And now we got the heat and Jimmy's coming in and Jimmy took last night off so he can be a plate against us. And I just thought it was fitting to say like, nah, we have enough. Like we have, I told when the news came down, I told, uh, people in the campus discord, they're like, Oh my God, Julius is out. We're done. I said, this is a, this could be a blessing in disguise because Julius needs to rest. Cause he's fucking tired. And we have yelled and screamed about our depth and how good our depth is all year. Well, guess what? Now it's time to use it. And listen, did we had games where we missed Brunson. We had games where we missed Mitch. We had games where we missed really important pieces and we've managed to get through. So I was like, we have enough. And we won. Um, 
with Tibbs making like I, Tibbs sticking with that all wing lineup in the fourth quarter was like, oh my god, like I didn't see that coming. Um, and then fast forward to last night, you know, obviously we're going against the Cavs. We know what anytime we play the Cavs, we know what the storyline is going to be, and you know, he starts eight for eight in the first quarter. And I'm, the timeline is like, oh, don't you wish we had this guy? <laughs> oh, they told me that this guy was going to do anything. He knows the same old. And I said, I cannot believe, like, you're watching this. Meanwhile, Jalen Brunson is 31 points in the first half, and we're still crying about not making a Donovan Mitchell trade. And the thing about the Donovan Mitchell trade is like, yes, in, a, in 2K, you add Donovan Mitchell, and it's perfect. It works out, whatever. But... Every trade happens, trades do not happen in a vacuum, and there is an opportunity cost. So for me, the idea that like, oh, if you just put Donovan Mitchell on this team, this team that could win 49 games would have been on 55 or 60 or whatever. It's like, no, like there's an opportunity cost. There are things that have to be taken off the table. Like we like in terms of we lose RJ Barrett. We lose probably Quentin Grimes, and we probably lose Emmanuel quickly. And while there are things that Emmanuel Qu- that Donovan Mitchell can do that Emmanuel quickly cannot do as well, there are things that Emmanuel quickly can do that Donovan Mitchell cannot on one side of the court, and we know which side of the court it is. So how do we make up for that? You know, so I'm not saying that, oh, we would have been this 42 win team or whatever, but like we have to take these things into consideration. And it's to me, it's a gross oversimplification to say like, oh, the Knicks didn't make this trade because they wanted because of some seventh grader that's not going to be drafted years from now. Or the Knicks didn't make the trade because like, nah, like they're like, there's always a give and take. And to me, I've seen so many superstar trades and acquisitions in the history of this league. Where How many times have I seen the Lakers add two superstars? Everyone thought they were going to crush the bill and they fell flat on their face. I've seen it happen twice. So for then, for Brunson to have the game he had and to finish, and that's why I tweeted like, hey, I don't care about Donovan Mitchell. He's not on my team. If he really wanted to be on my team, he could have made it uncomfortable enough for us to, to, for, for Danny Ainge to get him on the team, but he didn't. That's fine. Right now, right now, we have enough. Do we have enough to win the championship right now? No, I'm not going to say that. Do we have enough right now to make the NBA Finals? I'm not even going to go that far, even though I did throw a little bit of money on us to win the Eastern Conference because they're 38 to 1. Why the hell not? But for right now, for what we need, what we needed yesterday, we have enough. What we need for tomorrow, we have enough. What we need against Cleveland, we have enough. And then when we get, and then when our season ends, and we get to the and we get to the summer, we can reevaluate and we can figure out how to move this team forward. But for right now, today we have enough. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that seventy-five percent of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.